Gangsters, what's up guys? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever episode of Stream Beat Podcast, a podcast born out of sarcasm, where we're going to be discussing all things movies, TV shows, and anything related to the business of entertainment. I am your host and founder of the Stream Beat Podcast, Alex Musubai. Of course, a lot of you already know me as Moose from the Miami Heat Beat. And with me today is my co-host and co-founder of Stream Beat Podcast, Frankie. Frankie, say what's up to the people. What's going on, my he, she's and days? How are you doing today, Moose? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to get into this. We're going to obviously talk WandaVision as that is the hottest thing going right now. And, um, you know, everyone wants to hear about it. But first, before we get into that, we just want to give you a quick synopsis of what Streambeat is going to be, how it all started, why we're here, and what you can expect moving forward. Obviously, with using the word beat, and Frankie and I both coming from Miami Heat Beat, we are going to bring that Miami Heat Beat flavor over here and incorporate some of our other teammates in future episodes. Tonight, it's just going to be Frankie and I to set the ship a sail. We want this to be an open community with uh, our listeners as well. So you're going to tell us what you're watching, what we should be looking out for, what you want us to talk about. Today, we're going to get into WandaVision. Frankie, what do you think about the series so far and how we got here? Man, um, I, I really was so excited for this show. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Marvel. I've been a fan of Marvel since I was a little kid. Spider-Man was my favorite hero. And uh, the Spider-Man 90s shows mean so much to me. So, And that show, if you've ever seen it, it's on Disney Plus too. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's a great show. Great for your kids to get involved and get acclimated to the universe a little bit. And they go into so many different thing, elements with so many different heroes, the X-Men, Captain America. And you start learning about how big of a, uh, of a universe this is. So since then, I've been obsessed with it. I love the X-Men animated series. I've watched every single MCU film. Uh, midnight premiere, I'm fucking there. Thursday night, Friday night, all the time. Um, so th this series got me so amped up because this is obviously the first big MCU um, television show, well, television show, Disney Plus loosely. Um, it feels it, like a like a small movie. That's what's so exciting about it. It does, I, especially this year with the whole COVID pandemic. I was saying that this has been the first experience where I have felt like, okay, I'm getting like a movie that I'm really excited about. I haven't had that that feeling even with all these movies that are now streaming straight to your home. This was the first big event that I've had in at least you know, over a year now. So this has been really exciting. And I, I agree with you just to backtrack a little bit while we're on the Disney Plus app. Absolutely, that Spider-Man uh, comic cartoon series is a great introduction because I as well, that was my introduction to the MCU. Uh, Spider-Man was the only comic book that I was interested in as a kid. Uh, so of course, the, the cartoon series kind of got me into it. And then when the Marvel Studios uh, Entertainment MCU was, was launched... 
me just being a really big movie fan, I started falling more in love with how they just so seamlessly create these 10-year blocks and strategies of ideas and how they so so gently piece them and thread them all together to just really create this beautiful narrative over a decade. Uh, and we're seeing a little bit of that here with WandaVision, what is going to be the start of the next 10 years of all these next uh, content that Marvel's going to be putting out. Yeah, you're seeing Phase 4 begin, really. Uh, it starts here. We're going to get... Um uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier next. We're gonna get. We're eventually gonna get Black Widow, which is supposed to be the start of it. But uh, because of COVID, everything got out of whack. But I'm super. I'm super excited with this show. I it's gotten me hooked so much. Every episode has been way better than the last. And I'm. I'm just like we were talking about earlier. Just constantly saying this is the best episode I've seen. This is the best episode so far. They just like. Oh my God! I can't believe they're doing this. They're really bringing the comics. To life, like I'm not huge on the comics. Uh, I I do have some comics. I do love talk, love uh, reading some of them. I have some of the big stories, Avengers Disassembled, where some of this is based off of. So it's it's so awesome to see what they're doing, and and it it just feels fresh. It feels yes. like a like completely different show than you've seen before. Nothing like uh, there's no other show uh, in the comics and and like superhero uh, category that is like this. It's it's so unique, such a, a, a refreshing flavor. It's um, incredibly I, 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 ambitious I'm, and a mm-hmm. bold attempt by probably the only studio in Hollywood that could realistically pull this off. I don't trust any other people in Hollywood to take what is – and obviously this is going to be a spoiler-heavy uh, review and, and deep, deep dive into the series. So if you haven't caught up or, or haven't been watching the show, probably now is a good time to pause – Go check out these these five incredible episodes and then come back um, really quickly. Just go before we dive into episode five. I do want to highlight. So essentially, if what's been going on so far, we're watching Wanda in what we think is this reality that she's creating in this grieving process of you know being without vision. Um, what's been so fascinating about it, calling out like we were saying how it's such an ambitious thing, is the change in decades. Starting out in the first episode with what was like a 50s, 60s, I Love Lucy classic sitcom feel. And I love that they released those first two episodes together because it did feel like you needed those two episodes together as a true fresh pilot to get an idea of what to expect. And I love how different it was too because a lot of people are going to be coming into this expecting this straight superhero movie, what they've seen on the big screen. And I love that they're going to take these these creative shots at something completely different that they necessarily wouldn't put out in a feature film, but still has this, this incredibly deep storyline. Yeah. And it's, it's great because they, they hit the first two episodes are so weird because it's just fifties and sixties, uh, sitcom tropes. Uh, you know, you have the situations where in the first one, it's the, the, the big dinner with the boss and, and his wife. In the second one, it's the talent show. And there, it's it was very much more of a comedy, and you're seeing um, Wanda and Vision having personality really for the first time. Uh, you've you've seen Wanda angry and hurt in in these uh, in all the MCU films that she's been in, but you haven't really seen her express much like joy and emotion and, and Vision. Like they haven't had much to do on on the films yet. 
So this is this is such a change of pace. You're seeing yeah, the first two episodes. Like Elizabeth Olsen is amazing. She's fantastic. She, has, she is so good at, at at displaying all these different tropes. Like she fits in so well in the black and white fifties sitcom. Yes, the sixties sitcom, seventies. Like she's they're making a Lucille show. Ball film, and after watching yes. this, I want her to be Lucille Ball. She yes. plays it so perfectly, and like you're saying, she's changing. The tone of each episode, I mean, especially more so in this one now that we're starting to see both sides of what is Wanda's reality and what we're going to be calling outside the hex reality. And you see it just on a change of a dime. She goes in between sitcom and this realistic and she does it without missing a beat and still being able to carry the scene. Yeah, and Paul Bettany too, man. He's, he's you know, Vision is a robot, is a sentient android. Uh, with powers from uh, from the Mind Stone, and he's but he so he's he's just bland. He's just he doesn't have much flavor. But you know you really haven't seen much from them, and now you're seeing all their layers, uh, all their character. Like like Paul Bettany's doing a great job with all the comedy. He's he in the second episode when he's got to absolutely the chewy gum. I did not know he had physical comedy. Yeah, I hadn't seen so that from him. This. Yeah, he's so good in this, and it's it's so refreshing. So the first two episodes, it's very sitcom heavy. It's it like you said, they were released together, so it's essentially the pilot together. Um, it's just very weird. Like it just drops you into this world. The third episode is when you start seeing things in the real world. That third episode for me is gonna be the episode that hooks people that weren't necessarily Marvel fans going into it. They've just heard the hype and wanted to see what the show is. But I think that third episode is what's going to keep people around. But in the third episode, yes, we get to the 60s and 70s. Now we're in color. We're being introduced to Monica. And immediately you start seeing the Easter eggs of, well, maybe she's not from this world, this same reality that Wanda has been creating. Yeah, and you actually forgot that she was in the second episode as in, in the pool scene with Dottie. Uh, oh, correct, where, that, yes. That's, that's where Wanda talks to her, and she introduces herself as Gertrude. You find out in episode three that she's not in this world. She's not supposed to be in this world. The fourth episode goes into the whole sword background of it. It opens with Monica coming back from the blip, from the, uh, the Hulk snapping everyone back to life. We saw a little bit of this before in Far From Home, and people just started coming back from the snap, and... You see the five-year age difference, too. I love that in Far From Home. It's so good. But, you know, that was more comedic. This one was so, like, chaos. Like, just everybody coming back, bumping into each other. Monica finding out that her mom died three years after uh, after she's been gone. Like, it was just nuts. Yeah, it really elevates the tone of the show, too. So I I actually have a theory, and I want to run this by you. I kept thinking to myself, why the sitcom thing? I mean, yes, it's a cool, creative, new idea for a show, but what is the connection for Wanda for why it's a sitcom? So I have a theory here. They say that she was uh, abandoned at 10 years old. I don't know about you, but by the time I was 10 years old, that's kind of when I started watching sitcoms and all that on TV. I feel like there's a lot of kids, myself included, that spent so many hours in front of the TV watching these sitcoms, wanting to be in these sitcoms, longing for those types of families. By the way, I love my family. This is nothing against them. (laughs) This is just, you know, I wanted to be on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I thought they were cool as hell. So I have this theory that right now she's 
going back to where she thinks that ideal family life is. And she wants to live that reality. Now, she probably saw some I Love Lucy's, hence the 60s, uh, some Brady Bunch, 70s. And now in this episode, we're at the 80s and 90s, which is more so my bread and butter. So I, I love all of the, the sitcom call-outs that we're going to get into in this episode. But I'm curious what you think about that. Because that is the question. Why sitcoms? Uh, I, I think the sitcoms is like a, like a safe trope. Like something she can control. It's familiar to her. Mm-hmm. Something she, she really liked. And, you know, she's born in the 80s. She, she probably grew up on this. Uh, so I think she, you know, she she probably just feels something safe and something she can control. And obviously with Vision and her, it's it's just, uh, you know, especially in the uh, first sitcoms that she chooses, those are sitcoms where it's just husband and wife. As they go on, the Brady Bunch, that's when she starts thinking about kids and stuff like that. And and that's when we start ex- expanding yeah. on that. Well, was she thinking about kids or was the town putting a subliminal message in her? So yeah. I, I started thinking about that. We, we saw this character that we haven't seen in a couple of episodes, Dottie. And she's in the first two episodes, and everything revolving Dottie is about for the children. Yeah. And the town keeps repeating that. And then she goes away once the kids are around. My personal theory is that Wanda really isn't controlling everything. I think Wanda is stuck in a reality that she wanted to be in, but it's not her pulling the puppet strings. Um, I think Dottie is someone that we should be keeping in the back of our mind because there is a reason that she was always around when the concept of for the children was always brought up. Yeah, and they talk about it in episode five, but there's no other children. You, you don't see any children until Wanda's kids come. Uh, so that's a, good, that's a good point by you. Um, I, I definitely think Dottie's very suspicious agnes very suspicious oh i can't wait to get into agnes played agnes. by the brilliant katherine hahn by the way She's i mean the, the cast the casting on this show i can't say enough about it yeah katherine hahn is a scene chewer she yes get like, destroys her and is all you want to watch and talk about but her and her husband ralph so there's a I, I think pretty much every theory on the internet right now thinks uh, that Agatha is Agnes from the comic. Uh, and there's a- there's plenty of Easter eggs that I that oh. I want to hit on that will support that. So you know what? Yeah. Let, let's actually let's just go ahead and get straight into episode five because I feel like for the, for our listeners, if you're listening now, then you've clearly seen the first four episodes. You're with us for the rest of the ride. So let's just go, jump straight into episode five, and I have to start with what is my favorite sitcom intro yet. Uh, We're talking Family Ties, Family Matters, uh, Full House. We're talking my Nick at Night snack pack right there. Yeah. This is is where, uh, yeah, you mentioned those, and it's also Growing Pains. Oh, Uh, yes. Shout out uh, R.I.P. Alan Thick. Go. Um... (laughs) Nah, man, but this is like, this intro, like, I've seen all those other shows, I Love Lucy, I've watched, I used to watch TV Land all the time. This one was like, finally like, okay, I really know these shows, I feel that, feel familiar with this intro. Uh, I mean, you get, you get the family ties, painting, the running into the park, and the, and all that from Full House, the growing pains children, like you were saying. 
even in the kitchen, they have a little Easter egg there that it, uh, a little sign on the called the island of the kit of the kitchen. It says "Kiss the Cook" from uh, just like in Family Ties. Oh yes, yeah that that's a that's a great call out. The other two things that I wanted to hit on was one, the name of the episode is a very special episode, and that that just goes back to like all those. Those famous Family Ties episodes in the in the late '80s, where Alex P. Keaton had to spit some realness about his drunk uncle Ned. Shout out uh, Tom Hanks. <laughs> but it was just it, it's so on the nose for that time period. And then every episode's theme song is different. And yeah. I was particularly struck by the very first line of this week's uh, theme song. So the line goes, "You wanted a world with a vision, on a whole life." of what could be. So right there, again, kind of plays into what we've been saying, that this is Wanda going back to, you know, just longing for what could have been with Vision. Now, I know we were both really excited to get into the intro, but let's go ahead and backtrack just a little bit. Frankie, if you can, let's set the stage, uh, just the opening shot, kind of how the episode five started. Yeah, so it opens here uh, with Wanda carrying one of the twins and Vision walking downstairs with the other one, and they're crying. The uh, the babies are crying, and the uh, the two parents are just trying to get them to stop. Something weird happens here. Wanda tries to use her magic and her powers to put the babies to sleep, to make them stop crying. They don't listen. They st- they're still crying, and Wanda says, "Why won't you do what I want?" And the babies keep crying, and this is this is weird because Wanda. Up to this point, Wanda has been able to manipulate everybody in this reality. Yeah, this is really our first look at the theme of this episode, which is just struggling for control. Yeah, and then we have uh, Agnes coming in right when uh, right when they need something, which is a trope that has been uh, prevailing in, in every, every episode, episode. That Wanda, that Agnes just conveniently knocks on the door with the dinner, with this, with that, whatever they need. And, that, and she's here to, to offer her babysitting uh, job. You see Vision kind of ob- object to Agnes's help. And Agnes is like a little shook by this. And she goes to Wanda. Do you want me to take that again? Wanda looks up. Vision looks at her, looks at Agnes. They don't know what's going on. And Wanda's like, oh, no, just keep, keep it going, you know? And so this is the first time somebody's broken the fourth wall in, in front of Vision like that. So Vision is confused. He's like, what, what's going on? Um, and, and Wanda's just like pretending it didn't happen. She's like, what do you mean? I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. The only thing I want to hit on before we continue with this scene is she says a very important line to Wanda. She says, not after she says, do you want me to take it again? She says, you want me to hold the babies. Yeah. So there is this theory online that I've heard and now I can't get it out of my head that Agnes wants the kids and I I was kind of getting to that with Dottie but as you mentioned that Agnes said do you want me to take that again that was another call of someone that is not under Wanda's uh, control so maybe she's either a part of it the one controlling it but there's definitely an ulterior motive in Agnes, and always wanting to be around the children. Yeah, and one of the other popular theories, so the, one of the biggest theories, obviously, is Agnes is Agatha, one of the witches uh, from the comics. Uh, one of the biggest theories is that Mephisto is Ralph, her husband, who is the devil. 
And in the comics, the, the twins are born uh, because Wanda uses a bit of Mephisto in making them. Kind of hitting on, on Agnes while we're here, two Easter eggs that I really want to call out, and I, I noticed it especially in this episode. She's always wearing one of these two things. It'll either be purple, which I know is the color associated with Agnes, or the pendant, which is always associated with Agnes. She always has one of the two on her. And even in one of the later scenes in the episode, when, when you get a spot of her uh, outside of her home with the <laughs> rest in peace of the dog Sparky, um, all of the flowers surrounding her are purple. So there's, there's this clear color scheme that we see on, on a number of characters from the comics, but I've been noticing it more and more with Katherine Hahn. Yeah, definitely. And you'll see this uh, also with the kids. Um, where When they are growing, they're wearing their comics colors associated uh, with them, with their costumes and stuff. And one thing I want to call out really quickly, did you notice that the age jump had been five years? How yeah. long was the, bi- uh, the blip? Five, five years. years. So I wonder if that's... You know, if, if there's something there, because I know that the, in the comics, these kids have superpowers. I know nothing about these kids. I, I think we mentioned it earlier. I was not that knowledgeable on the comics going into this. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the kids' powers are. I got you. So, so Billy's, uh, I, I always confuse them. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Billy. Uh, Billy has very similar powers to her mom. Um, okay. And he becomes w- Wiccan. Or Wiccan. I don't remember how it's pronounced. Uh, I think it's Wiccan, though. I think it's the weekend. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let it out. (laughs) And and Tommy Tommy becomes, uh, has super speed. Okay. So it's just like her and her brother. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. So that five-year age jump, then, could be playing off of the blip. Yeah, man. I I love all the theories. Uh, It's so fun just talking about it and thinking what what they could be. Because they have... What, the, what Marvel does such a good job at is they open so many doors for themselves that there's so many possibilities. And then we see, we see Jimmy Woo uh, and, and start giving us a background uh, report to all the uh, agents there of S.W.O.R.D. Uh, about Wanda's life and her background. And you see Hayward, uh, the director Hayward, really try to make a... A, a clear point that Wanda is a villain. Wanda is a bad guy. Wanda has um, ulterior motives and like turn everybody against her. And, and he t- tells Jimmy to get away. So he's got, he's got the rest of it. And Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy goes, I usually don't speak ill of people, but, and Darcy. Goes, oh no, I'll go ahead and say it. He's a, t- <laughs> and it cuts off to, to Hayward saying terrorist. So that that was when I was like, man, Hayward might be the bad guy. Hey, there's there's theories that Hayward is Mephisto well, as well. There's there was a thought that popped into my head while I was rewatching this to get ready for for our podcast. Um, I was thinking, okay, so I don't necessarily think that Wanda's controlling everything. I haven't thought that from the beginning. I think I think she's more so controlling what Vision is seeing, and she's starting to lose grasp of Vision in this episode. So think about it. We're watching this sitcom, and if she's not in control, who's the director? And they're so clear to any time they mention this guy, it's director Captain Hayward. Uh, so that was just something that I actually I thought of in this rewatch, and I, I agree. I do think that he's involved somehow because he's so clearly trying to make Wanda look like the bad guy. 
So Frankie, just because I want to make sure we don't run out of time here, let's go ahead and fast forward a little bit and we'll briefly hit on um, uh, just a couple of things. So obviously we're starting to see the divide here between Captain Hayward and what we'll call Team Wanda with Darcy and Monica and... Um, Jimmy Woo. Uh, and then from there, we also transition over to a scene, a phenomenal scene in, um, in Vision's job where everyone is rocking the hell out of those Gordon Gecko uh, 90s suits. And Darcy sends over an email and it kind of, uh, it kind of awakes Vision. He also looks into Norm's mind and realizes that, you know, there's something more going on here, and he believes Wanda's controlling everything. So let's go ahead and go from there straight into our most pivotal scene in this entire series up till now back in uh, Wanda's sitcom reality where Vision is just not having it anymore. He's no longer under Wanda's control and he's starting to see what's real and what's not. Favorite scene of the series so far for me personally. So good. I mean, on so many levels, one, the dialogue in it is fantastic. The performance in it is fantastic. My all-time favorite thing from the series is that they start getting into the fight in the middle of this this credit scene, like Wanda's just trying to shut it down, like, no, I still control it, and Vision's not having it. There's just, there's so many brilliant, little, subtle moments in that scene that just both of them knocked it out of the park. Yeah, definitely. And right before they start fighting, when they're still in the kitchen, he is becoming aware, and mm-hmm. he, he tells her about his co-worker. He's understanding that something's not right here. Something is definitely not right here. And and Vision says, you can't control me. Yeah. And Wanda says, can't I? And that was like, ooh, damn. Yeah. That was a slap in the face right there. She rolls the credits, trying to shut him up, and Vision is starting to get angry, which, again, we haven't seen this emotion from Vision, so this is alarming for us. And he gets into the living room, chases after her, and they start arguing about this, about the control, what's going on. He doesn't believe her. And she, you know, like you said, they're, they, they start showing their powers. It's a literal power struggle. It's, it's such a, I mean, it's just such a brilliant scene, the way they put it together. And then, of course, my favorite line from that was Paul Bettany, Vision, the way that he delivered the line, I'm scared. I yeah. don't know who I am. I don't know what's going on. It is, an, as you said, it is an emotion that I didn't even know Vision was capable of before this series. Yeah, and I I was very just taken aback by it, the intensity of it. There's this the struggle between them. But she very clearly says, "Do you think I'm controlling this all? Do you think I control when everyone's going to the dentist or grabbing their yeah. mail?" And again, that calls out what I was saying earlier that I don't feel she's controlling everything. And the no, door, I, I, the the twist at, with the doorbell again confirms that she's very clearly not controlling everything, Frankie. I think what this is showing is that she's not in full control. I think she's being manipulated by Agnes and Mephisto, and she's also very well could be subconsciously uh, using her powers and like she's bending reality to her will without knowing that she's doing so. Mm-hmm. Like when, for instance, earlier when she says, I have a brother far away, maybe that made her power snap back in and pull, pull what we see in this next scene. Well, let's well, get to it because, I mean, it's, it's without a doubt the biggest moment of the series so far. Yeah. So there's, a, uh, there's somebody at the door. The doorbell is ringing. And Vision is like, 
so who did you call for now? And she goes, I didn't call for anybody. You have to believe me. He goes, I, I would be ignoring, ignoring, he says, I would be ignoring statistics if I, if I believed you. And in the words of our esteemed <laughs> colleague at Miami Heat Beat, Tiffany Meeks, First of all, I don't believe in numbers <laughs> because who's because who is at the door? None other than her brother Pietro, but not just her brother Pietro. We're talking the Fox M Fox crossover Pietro, which shout out to Marvel because not only was it just like a great way to introduce the multiverse or confirm the multiverse, if you will. But I think they got it right. This is not a shot at Aaron Johnson, who's a phenomenal actor, but just his interpretation of Pietro was, I mean, it's a good thing that they killed him in that, in that, in that movie. I mean, let's be honest. There wasn't much to it. I think Fox's version of Pietro just is way more appealing to the general public. I think we were all excited to see that Pietro at the door. So I saw a theory about this Pietro. I'm going to dial back into your Aaron Taylor Johnson's uh, Hit me, first. yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's it's also one of those things where they just you know that Age of Ultron was a mess. It was a convoluted mess. There are a lot of there was a lot get... going on. There's yeah. there's there's a lot of good in there. But yeah, I absolutely. but I would but I would agree that it just it, it needed some more time in the editing room. Absolutely, and and you see this like in in the next movie where Wanda is in that she doesn't have her accent in that one. Yes. <laughs> it's just stuff like that they start changing. Yeah. And you can see that I th I think if they would have gave that some time. I I much prefer Joss Whedon's original version where Hawkeye died in that. Oh, I thought, yeah. I thought that meant a lot more to it, but we'll save that if we ever uh talk about Age of Ultron. But I I just feel like uh I just feel like it, he didn't have much to work with as well. And I feel like if you would have gave that more time, I, would, I think he could have done a, a better job. I think that's um, fair, by the way. I think that's totally fair. And, and like yeah. I said, I think, I think he's a phenomenal actor. So it's not a knock on his performance. I just think it was a bad take on Pietro. I, I can see that. But Evan Peters' take is very different. It's Completely. Just, it's, it's fun. And that's, that's not necessarily Quicksilver in the comics. So, like, Aaron Taylor Johnson, a lot of people could say, would probably say that he's closer to Quicksilver in the comics. That's not to say he's not, he's more entertaining, because Evan Peters, his, his scenes in, uh, in the Fox movies were incredible. They are some of the best superhero scenes, because they are so well done, well edited. Yes. Uh, it's, it's just, it's just extreme entertainment as a superhero movie. It's, and, it's literally an, ele an electric performance. It jumps exactly. off the screen. Exactly. So, you know, I, I would have liked to see him get more of a shot. I, I thought he was originally one of my theories on the cameo that Elizabeth Olsen was talking about. So uh, she opens the door. It's Pietro from the Fox films. She doesn't recognize, she doesn't know who this is. She goes, she asks him, Pietro. Uh, and he goes, yeah, and he says in, in a very 80s, the Fox. Very 80s New Jersey. Wow, I got to say hello to my long lost sister. <laughs> And uh, and Vision doesn't recognize him either, and that this is how the episode ends. So well, uh, with the brilliant line, whoever wrote it deserves a, a bonus. I love Darcy going. Oh yeah, they recast Pietro. I mean, I literally had to pause because I laughed so hard, and it was like she just. I mean, they knocked it out of the park with it. I I can't say enough with the writing throughout the entire series. It's just been fantastic. 
Marvel handles their recasting so funny. Like uh, Don Cheeto in Iron Man 2, he's like, in, in the very first scene, he's like, it's me, get over it. <laughs> yes. I love that. Uh, but yeah, man, it's it was a phenomenal episode. Um, this wasn't my Luke Skywalker cameo theory. Okay. I, I did think he was going to be one. But now after seeing this episode, I still think Doctor Strange is going to play a role in it because we know Wanda is going to be in uh, Doctor Strange 2. You, so you mentioned know. that to me earlier, and I actually didn't know that. So now you, you have me on your train of thought as well, because I wasn't anticipating uh, Doctor Strange, but I could absolutely see how he's going to play in here. So now, but, you know, I still believe he's, you know, he's involved, and because in the comics, um, he's, he is the one who stops Wanda from all this. Uh, so, but I think this is going to take place in the second one, in the Doctor Strange 2, because after this episode... When, and, and knowing that there's a Luke Skywalker-level cameo, my theory is Ian McKellen as Magneto. Wow. Now you're talking heavy hitters. Because uh, Vision, Vision's actor, Paul Bettany, says in an interview that he has looked forward to working with this uh, thespian for his whole career. Give it to me. He's, he's already worked... Uh, no, he hasn't worked with Doctor Strange. With uh, he has, he hasn't done anything with Benedict Cumberbatch. But I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch is on that level of Sir no. Ian McKellen. No, clearly that so I, that would absolutely fit the Luke Skywalker heavy hitter mold. Exactly, and what better way to introduce uh, Doctor Strange's uh, a multiverse of madness? Yes, with Wanda as a key contributor in this than Magneto. Yeah, and bringing the the real uh, one of the biggest villains in the X Men to the the MCU. And what would be really really cool, and I only know this because I, I've seen it mentioned in other places that Magneto is technically correct me if I'm wrong, Wanda's father, right? In some of the comics, uh, in in later comics, they find out that uh, they say that she is his father, that he is the father of uh, Quicksilver and, um, and Scarlet Witch. Uh, and in, in the X-Men universe, you see that Michael Fassbender, who plays the young Magneto, mm-hmm. says that he is the fa- he finds out he is the father of Qu- Quicksilver. It is kind of... Uh, it's found out later in the comics that it, that was a lie. Uh, I forgot exactly how, how, who their real parents are or whatever. Um, but the point is, now that we're using this multiverse... Yeah. I mean, really, the way that they... And plus, now they also just own, flat out own the characters again. Yeah. So they really could, theoretically, if they want to, like, yeah, we're, we're going to pick up with that storyline and find a way to weave it back in. And exactly. to your point, what a better way to do it. But my, my hesitation with um, Doctor Strange being the Luke Skywalker cameo, and this yeah. is more, more so on a technical side, when all of these actors sign deals with Marvels, every appearance as that character in a project is considered an option. And I know that um, Benedict Cumberbatch only has a handful of options left. One being his upcoming film, Spider-Man, we know he's going to be in. So are they going to use up one of his remaining options on a Disney Plus appearance? Not that it wouldn't be worth it. I just think, you know, you got to save those. To counter that, though, those are always renegotiable. Absolutely. Because Robert Downey Jr. had uh, options on his... And he renegotiated to be in Spider-Man uh, Homecoming. That is, that is absolutely true. But since we saw Pietro so early, and I want to note another thing. So 
in the, uh, we know in this episode this is the 80s sitcom trope and she if she subconsciously pulled him this is the pietro from the 80s in that reality remember oh, she remember that, that's a they, great point frankie they yes. very clearly state that wanda and pietro were born in 89 89 so, yes so this the pietro of her her reality was not around in the 80s mm-hmm. until the you know obviously the very end so if she pull, if she subconsciously pulled another pietro during that time from very far away uh in uh she found a reality a multiverse where this pietro is alive and kicking and she pulled him there that's a that's a great point i hadn't thought about that I, i'm gonna say man that this is I went into WandaVision expecting it to be good because I I just expect that now from Marvel. I mean they've they their batting average is is far higher than any other studio. I think they put out great work and it's very detailed and thought out. But this has far exceeded any of my expectations. And consistently every week we say it gets better and better and better. And you know, I, I do hope that this is a mini series and, and we only get one season of it, but if they give me t- you know, 12 seasons, 300 episodes, like sign me up for as much as they want to make because I'm absolutely addicted. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, it's getting better and better. And that, like you said, uh, Marvel, like even, even their bad films are still watchable. So like, you know, like you, it, yeah, there might not be rewatchable. Right. But definitely- I'm not going to sit through Captain Marvel again. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get heat for that. I know it because a lot of people don't think it's as bad as it is, but I just... Maybe it, I was just so disappointed. I, I think I think it suffers because it's right after Infinity War and terrible timing. Yes, it, it's. I think that's and it's right before Endgame. Yeah. So it, it just I think it suffers like that because Man Two suffered the same thing. It's they just the timing of them just kind of suffer. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, th- I I think you should give that another chance and and it, well, it's, it's well, a maybe, better film that you remember. Maybe I'll rewatch it and and we'll. Uh... We'll dive into that in another future episode. We're we're definitely we're not going to be only Marvel, but with with uh, this first episode, Frankie and I were just itching to get into Wandavision because we've both just been so blown away by it. Um, this was so much fun. We can't wait to get some other members from Miami Heat beat in here. We want to hear from the from the audience as well, our community. Make sure you follow us, rate, subscribe, review. Hit us up in the comments. What do you want us to talk about next? Um, our final segment for today is something that we're going to be doing consistently with guests and throughout every episode. It's a segment that we're calling the Big Three. Uh, essentially, it's going to be your your favorite three things. For this week, we decided to go with Marvel content. Your three favorite Marvel content properties, whatever. So we each have our Big Three. Frankie, I'm going to sh- uh, throw it over to you for your first Big Three Marvel. So I and a child of the 90s, I am going to have to start this off with the X-Men animated series. It's got All right. an iconic theme song. Probably the best theme song, yeah. Yes. It's so good. It's we can, we we <laughs> Because of rights, we can't afford to do the rest of it. Yeah, but exactly. uh, we recommend you guys look it up on YouTube because it, it is a banger. What about you? What's your number? Uh, it's pretty timeless. I would agree with that. Um, so that that's your... That's your first for your big three. Uh, yep. What? What? I'll hit you with another one for me. We'll go back and forth. So the number one for my big three, it, it's got to be Spider-Man. And it's hard for me to pick one thing, but I'm going to go with the original Spider-Man theatrical film with Tobey Maguire, mainly because 
I have such a vivid memory of being in the movie theater at 10 years old and just being blown away that like my favorite cartoon character, comic book character is now being portrayed on the big screen in what is a legitimately good film. I mean, is it a little bit cheesy and all that? Sure. But that's, but that was Peter Parker. That's the tone of it. And the way that they shot the swinging around New York, I mean, it was just, it was such a delight for me to see what was such a big part of my childhood on the big screen in, in a good movie. All right, so my number two is uh, Spider-Man the Animated Series. It is what got me into uh, superheroes, what got me into comics. Um, I absolutely love this series. Uh, it's got a great theme song. It's got a ton, a ton, of ton of comic uh, lore. Not only Spider-Man, but Avengers. They do Secret Wars. Um, they, they introduce the multiverse in there, too, with the multiple Spider-Man. Uh, from different realities it is so good if you are a parent and want to get your kids uh, attention show them this it's on Disney plus it's so, I, I think I've watched this show more than any other show I've ever seen Wow that's saying something yeah I, I've rewatched it like six or seven times well it's it was definitely so an after-school staple for me as well so my number two and I've been debating this all day but I, I gotta go with Captain America Civil War I'm gonna tell you why I think it does an amazing job of showing what you can do with a superhero film if you take it seriously. And what I mean by that is, yes, it's a superhero movie. You get introduced to these brilliant new characters that are going to set up the next phase in Tom Holland's Spider-Man, who is fantastic, and the late, great Chadwick Boseman with Black Panther. But at its core, what it is, is it's a political thriller. Yeah, definitely. It's a classic. I think Cap has the best trilogy. My final one, my number one, I'm going to cheat here. Because I, I think you have to combine them. It's Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, if you make me pick one, I'll choose Infinity War. But the Endgame movie experience was unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. Yep. And, uh, Infinity War was great, too. I, uh, I can't get enough of the audience reaction uh, oh clip God. that they have on YouTube. And it's the main reason why I really hope movie theaters come back. Because yeah, I, I, I agree with you. That... You beat me to it. That that would that is my number one as well because of the communal aspect that it was in the theater. I mean, I've never been in a movie theater where every single person is just so excited for it, clinging to the to their seats. Not a single person was even chewing their food because you didn't want to miss a second of it. So I agree with you. That is absolutely it. I will say, if WandaVision nails the landing, and I fully expect it to. It will make my big three, but we're not there yet. It has to finish. It has to finish, yeah. and it has to nail the landing. We're, but, we're with ev- but with nine sin. but with and everything it's showing me, that just the bold, creative take, that swinging for the fences on something fresh. If they nail it as they have been doing so far, it will hit my big three. But for now, I'm with you, Frankie. It is Avengers: Endgame, Infinity War. We're gonna put them together. So that is our big three, Marvel. We're running low on time here. I got to edit this, so we're going to close it out here. Frankie, this has been a blast. I am so excited to talk more Marvel movies, TVs, what's going on with uh, streaming in general in Hollywood because that fascinates me. We got a lot of exciting guests lined up. Uh, believe it or not, we got way more uh, outside guests lined up than, <laughs> than we anticipated, so you will be seeing more for us. Uh, bear with us here as we just get this ship sailing. We're trying to figure it out as we go, but 
We're really excited to get the community involved, our friends from Miami Heat Beat involved, and this this is going to be a wild ride, but one that I am very, very excited to uh, to get going and excited to have you, Frankie, here along with me for it. Absolutely, man. It's been an honor. Uh, we didn't even really dive into like how it was born sarcastically. Uh, there's uh, so much. There's so much. It, do you want to do it really quickly? Because yeah, it is it, it is a great story. I mean, it, it really all started from just like a joke tweet. Now, I, I, I have always wanted to have like a, a movie TV podcast because, I mean, for as much as I love the Miami Heat, like this really is, I watch movies and TVs like with a pen and paper in hand and break down how they film the scenes and all that. I love it. So we, we put this out there as a joke. Uh, Frankie, if you want to set it up, I, I forget who we were responding to. So this is also a big product of COVID. We are... All from a Miami Heat Beat podcast, uh, which if you're listening, go check that out. Uh, you can see us all in our element there uh, on pregame, uh, regular pod. Pregame, postgame, halftime, every other day. Gianni's yeah. keeping us busy, man. I've been, I've been doing more work here than I have for my actual job. Don't tell them that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Check us out there. Uh, but yeah, we were, you know, the NBA had to cancel uh, and postpone uh, one of the Heat games that we were supposed to do, so we we're like, what are we going to talk about? We have a post-game show. Like, there's nothing to talk about. Some, uh, somebody responds to Alf, why don't you guys talk about WandaVision? Alf goes, oh, yeah, man, I'm so down for that. And you, you and me were like, actually, this sounds so much fun. And you threw a joke tweet at Adnan Vert to, to yes, join us. Yes, that's right. That's right. Join well, us. I, I believe you said something like, Let's do Marvel beat. And I said, well, let's do stream beat so we can get more people outside of the yeah. Marvel world. And then I immediately, Adnan Verk popped, uh, popped up on my Twitter feed at that exact time. It was like, it was, it was, it was serendipitous, you know? And I, and I was like, oh, well, what if we could get Adnan, and jokingly, totally sarcastic. Hey, Adnan, we're starting stream beat pod. You want to help us out with an Oscars episode? And you know what he did? Adnan slid into my DMs. And agreed to join us. So he's going to join us later on this year for an Oscars-themed episode that we're very excited about. But as soon as we got that message, I mean, Frankie, uh, we, we started cracking up. We were like, shit, I guess we got to do this now. <laughs> yeah, man. And we went to work. We started – we made the Twitter. We made the the YouTube, the, the Gmail. We made all this. And we're like, oh, shit, we're going to do this. We start, We threw it in the the heat. Every the step chat. of the way, we keep saying like, "Oh shit, we're really doing this." Yeah, I, I still can't believe it. Uh, we threw it to the heat beat chat, and everybody was like, "Hell yeah, I want to do this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that." So we're gonna talk about yeah, so and many sh and shout shows. out to them really because their enthusiasm for this project is really what helped ignite our fire to like, all right, fine, we're gonna set up the IG, we're gonna do. So we're we're really excited to get them involved. Uh, throughout this, this like, I, like I keep saying this is going to be a communal thing and we want this to just be a fun time for, for everyone both our friends in Miami Heapy and for you the listeners yeah absolutely you know if you want us to review something random a, a TV show an old movie a new movie whatever you want us to talk about we're willing to listen just throw it your way we're going to talk about Robin Williams movies we're going to have a Ben Stiller yes. uh, movie uh, we, we got we got a couple ideas lined up that we're really really excited about some that are going to seem just you know <laughs> we're talking about this movie maybe 10 years too late but it's going to be a good time we will have the drinks flowing in the next episode i think frankie and i just kind of wanted to get things rolling here but um it's going to be a loose fun environment and and i can't wait to just get into more of it with you buddy 
Hell yeah, man. And, and everybody involved uh, on our Streambeat group, uh, we've got a great group of people with a lot of different opinions and, and uh, perspective. And that's what I really wanted to, to do with this. Like, if we're going to do it, it's got to be more than just us. Absolutely. Uh, we need different people. We need different people's uh, insights. And, and I want to see, you know, like what uh, the great Tiffany Meeks thinks of WandaVision. Yeah. I want to see it, and I want to know what Or, or what her favorite whatever. movie is. I can't exactly. wait for you guys to introduce me to things that I haven't seen yet, and vice versa. Exactly. And I'm and I am somebody who never watches uh, old movies. So this is gonna force me to watch some old movies and I am excited for that. I'll give you fresh opinions on something a movie that I had never seen in the 80s, the 90s. You hear whatever. about the Scorsese guy? He's supposed to be pretty good. I, <laughs> I know he hates the MCU, so screw that guy. <laughs>